0: Good, if you are uh, following in your Bibles, we're in Luke's Gospel and um, we're up to Chapter 4. We're going to continue with Luke's Gospel probably through until September at least um, and uh, be following the, the, the trail there under the general heading of Make Life the Mission, understanding that one of the objectives of Luke's gospel is to set before us an example and a a challenge as to how we live our lives and how we serve God with our lives and the sorts of things that we should be doing and how we should be doing them and all of those sorts of answering all of those sorts of questions. Uh, Luke chapter 4 actually is one of my favorite chapters in the whole of the Bible. It's just the most brilliant chapter because it's full of totally brilliant stuff. Uh, I might even write a book. Um, So Luke chapter 4, I'm going to read this morning from verse 40. And in my Bible it reads like this. Luke chapter 4 verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now... Um, I want you to see something in there that, that is very easily missed. And those of you who have been around a long time will have undoubtedly heard me address this uh, particular issue before. But actually, you know, one of the, uh, one of the objectives is my, of my life, and hopefully of your life as well, is to become as much as I can like Jesus, is to imitate him, is to follow his way of doing things, his way of thinking, and, and behave like Jesus'. When I read this passage, it occurs to me that actually if I did that well, in other words, if I behaved like Jesus in this passage, you would probably sack me. Because here is Jesus. Now, putting this into the context of the rest of the chapter, um, you know, he's, he's been to the synagogue, he read those wonderful verses that we looked at um, uh, last time, you know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, the kind of the kingdom manifesto. And then, Um, they go back to uh, Peter's house and uh, Peter's um, mother or mother-in-law whatever it is gets healed and uh, then um, the Sabbath is over so they're not allowed to do too much on the Sabbath but you know when, when the sun has gone down Sabbath is over and these crowds come out to come and find Jesus. They're looking for Jesus and they find him at Peter's house and uh, it says that Jesus heals all the sick and, and he, he ministers in a way that, that is, uh, has kind of become or becomes typical of Jesus in the Gospels. He he prays for the sick and they get healed. He prays for the demonized and they get delivered. He preaches the Gospel and you know people... Uh, get saved. They decide to follow God uh, uh, and give God the whole of their lives. It's, it's a wonderful occasion. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, if, if we'd uh, seen something like that, we'd think that revival had happened because of the amount of incredible um, Holy Spirit ministry that is going on through Jesus at this point. Then, of course, it's time to go to bed. And Jesus goes to bed and uh, the next morning, now um, you get a little bit more information in Mark's Gospel so I'm kind of dipping into Mark's Gospel for this one as well if you're thinking where does he get that bit from. Um, early in the morning Jesus disappears, he goes to a solitary place to pray which was one of his disciplines. He used to take the time out to go and be alone with the Father and have conversations with the Father about life, the universe and whatever he needed to engage with at that point and he's in a solitary place Praying, and but what happens is back at Peter's house another crowd turns up. It could have been some of the same crowd, but they brought all their mates with them because they want more healing, they want more deliverance, they want more people to to find God. And, and all of this is kind of happening back at Peter's house. And the disciples go looking for Jesus, and when they find Jesus in a solitary place, they say, "Jesus, you have got to come back right now. You must come back straight away." There's a big crowd at Peter's house, and um, you know they're all looking for you because they want you to pray for them. They They want you to speak to them. They want you to do all of this wonderful stuff that you do. And they're all waiting for you now. And Jesus, filled with love and compassion, says, No. We're not going that way. We're going this way. Now, I want to tell you, if I did that, can you imagine... Uh, that if revival broke out here this morning and we had healings all over the place and people came rushing in off the streets and they all decided they were going to follow Jesus and give their lives to him and it was absolutely bliss. We had the best time we've ever had and then we go home and we have our tea and tomorrow morning there's a big crowd outside and you know uh, imagine that Russ gets in first to open up and there's a couple of hundred people waiting outside because they want some of this ministry from the church and Russ rings me up and says Dave you've got to come straight away. There's a crowd of people looking for Jesus and looking for ministry. They need you to come and speak to them and pray with them and help them. You must come straight away. If I said no, what would you think? I mean, seriously, you probably would want to sack me, wouldn't you? You'd be, there'd be an advert you know, in the Nottingham Post next week for a new pastor. Wouldn't you? Because it just sounds crazy, doesn't it? But actually, that is exactly what Jesus does. Now there's there's good reason for this and I'm going to unpack this for you so that you understand that but I want you to see that right from the outset there's something that a guy called Jim Collins wrote in in a book once and what he said was this good is very often the enemy of best. Did you get that? Good is very often the enemy of best because very often in our lives we can be distracted by something which is good and it will keep us from what is best. So Jesus is not saying that's a bad thing to go and pray for those people. He's not saying that's a bad idea. He's not saying those people shouldn't get prayed for. But what he's saying is actually my job at this point in time, my purpose at this point in time is something different. I have got to move on. I've got to go to the next place because if I don't do that, I won't be able to fulfill my mission. Jesus was living to the purpose for which he was sent. He says, this is the purpose for which I was sent. And then he goes out and starts to fulfill that purpose. So let's have a look a little, in a little more detail at some of the things that are going on here. You know it's going to be one of those mornings when I run out of time, don't you? Um, I could probably preach for a month just on these few verses. So forgive me if I talk quickly. Okay, right at the beginning there, now when the sun was setting, all those who had... Any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid his hands on every one of them and he healed them. It's business as usual. This is the norm in the Gospels for Jesus. That where there are crowds, he ministers to them. He heals the sick. He delivers the oppressed. He he talks to people about what it is to know God. And he gets on with the stuff of life and the stuff of ministry. That's his kind of day-to-day lifestyle. And um, just reflecting on this. You know, uh, this year... For us, is going to have a lot of business as usual about it. You know, because we're going to keep doing all the things we do. We're going to keep running the cafe, we're going to keep opening the soft play, we're going to keep doing the Tots Clubs and the Kids Clubs and the Wrinkleys Clubs and the, Sue tells me off for calling them the Wrinkleys. The club for the older generation, the Wrinkleys Club... Um, the cinema, the choir, the food bank, job quest, life groups, church, all of the things that we do, we're going to keep doing those and we're going to give ourselves to those things. What we must be careful of is that in the doing of the day to day, in the doing of the things that we normally do, is that we don't miss the purpose of God, is that we don't miss the voice of God speaking to us and giving us direction and helping us to see better the things that we should be giving our lives to. Because it might be that some of the things that we did in 2015, he doesn't want us to do in 2016. It might be that their time is up. And we need to understand the purpose that God has for us in this year in order that we can engage fully with it. And we will plow ourselves into the business as usual, but we will have an ear open to see what God wants to say. Are you with me? I also want you to see here verse 42. It says, And when it was day he departed and went into a desolate place. One of the reasons that Jesus was so successful in his life and ministry was that he had personal disciplines which he treated as being very, very important. Hello? And one of the challenges that we face in life is because life is so busy because there are so many other things that want to press in on us and and take our time, is that we can miss the important, foundational, basic disciplines which actually give us the things that we need to be the people that God wants us to be. In short, this. In 2016, maybe you need to think about what robs you of your time and what actually is being robbed there. number of people... Over Christmas, and um, you know, I, I can imagine the withdrawal symptoms setting in now, have deleted Facebook from all of their devices. Because, uh, and uh, you know, reading their testimonies, it sounds like um, they have lost hours in a day looking at Facebook and sticking stuff on Facebook, which would be better spent reading their Bibles and talking to God. That'll be much more fruitful, let me tell you, <laughs> than hours wasted on Facebook. What, what is robbing you of your time? What is it that's distracting you from your disciplines? Because though you need to deal with those things. I need to deal with those things so that we make sure that we, as Jesus did, take the time to do the important things that build the foundations in our lives so we can be what God created us to be. Are you with me? And you know what they are, don't you? You know that it's important to read your Bible because you, you'll understand more about God and you will give God the opportunity to speak to you. You know that it's important to spend time in prayer. And by prayer, I don't mean going to God with a shopping list, but actually taking the time to listen and hear what God has to say about stuff. These things are foundationally important. They were an established part of Jesus' life. There were, there were disciplines that he... Um, clearly thought were important, important enough to get up at some ridiculously early hour, you know, and go and find a quiet place where nobody would bother him to get on with these things. And if he's our example, as we keep singing and keep saying, then we also need to engage with those things in the way that he did. Are you with me? Okay. We have to make sure that we make the time this year to pursue those important disciplines. The next thing is this and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. Or in Mark's gospel it's the disciples who find him, because the crowd of people are still back at, at Peter's house and, and they want Jesus to come back and they don't want him to leave. And the challenge is this there will always be distractions. There will always be voices crying out who say that they want us to do something. Sometimes saying they need us to do something and, and that can be a very subjective thing, can't it? Sometimes actually that might be true. Sometimes people do need us and we do have to respond. Very often people just want us, they don't actually need us. You understand the difference? Yeah? Um, but there are always distractions. And this is where we have to bear in mind that, um, that Jim Collins statement, that good is very often the enemy of, well I think he says great, doesn't he? Good, good is the enemy of great What he means by that is this that there are, listen, there are millions of good things that you could be doing with your life and with your time in 2016. If you try to do all of them, you will kill yourself. If you try to do all of them, you will not see 2017. Because there are so many good things, so many great things that need doing. What we have to understand is what God made me for. What is my purpose? You know, why, why am I on the planet? What is the specific contribution that I make to all of this that nobody else can make? Because that's the thing that needs to be right in the forefront of my thinking and that's the thing that needs to guide me through this year. Understanding what God built me for. What is my purpose? What has God spent my life shaping me for? What does all this experience and understanding and education and input, what does it all add up to? Why, you know, what place has it brought me to? Uh, You know, who am I? (laughs) Big question. Who am I? And therefore, you know, having answered that, where do I fit and how does all of this stuff work out in life in order to achieve God's purposes through me? Now... If you don't understand that, then you don't have a sense of direction. If you don't understand that, you are easily distracted by all of these other good things. You know, the key thing is to understand that God made you for a purpose. You know, in Psalm one three nine, probably my favourite Psalm. We're doing all my favourites this morning. It says that God lit me together in my mother's womb. What does that mean? Was He saying, "Oh, we'll bolt an arm on here and we'll just, you know, we'll screw the head on there"? And that's not what it means it's not a physical thing it's a spiritual thing that when God knit me together in my mother's womb he was he was knitting into me he was sewing into me the things that would make me me it's not just about arms and legs and and all of that sort of stuff it's about actually the things that make me the unique individual that I am God sewed those things into me he knit those things into me in my mother's womb and the day that I was born it was something unique because there's never been another me and there never will be another me. And I know that you're very happy about that. But that's the truth of it. And there's nobody else like you. You are totally unique. I talk about my twin daughters all the time. You, you can't tell the difference. I had trouble again this Christmas. I mean, they're wearing different clothes to help me. But I still had trouble this Christmas telling one from the other. It, and it doesn't help me now that, you know, they've all got kids. And they pick each other's kids up. And that's even more confusing. But I want to tell you, if you sit down and have a conversation with them, they are totally unique. You know? I've, I'm having conversations with Laura about church planting because that's what she and her husband are going to do. They're going to plant a church in the north of Manchester. And we're having conversations about what that looks like and how all of that works. But with, my, with the other twin, I'm having conversations about she's got a project going on in her heart in Africa um, where they're rescuing girls from prostitution. And um, they're, they're doing that by... Uh, The girls are making necklaces and they're selling the necklaces for two, three, four, five pounds, which is nothing, is it? But every time you buy one of those necklaces, it's another time that she doesn't have to sleep with a guy for money. What an incredible project. And she's... Full of all of that, and they're two. I'm sitting there, and I'm you know, I can't tell the difference between them until we talk, and I understand that actually they're both completely unique. There are different things that rise up in them, they see life slightly differently, they approach things slightly differently. They're not like each other in that sense at all. We are all completely unique, there is nobody like you, and therefore, you have a unique role to play. And you need to understand what that role is so you can filter out all of the other stuff. Hello? So that you can shape your life, you know, and so that you can make good decisions about how you spend your time and what you do so that you fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And we must not allow ourselves to be distracted from that by things, even though they might be good things. You know, we we need to be clear about why am I here? What am I going to do with my life? What has God purposed for me? And if these things don't fit with that purpose, then the answer is, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. It's a great idea. It's a great opportunity. It's a great thing, whatever it is. But actually, that's not why God put me here. Are you with me? We have to remain focused. Jesus, his reason for not going back was this. He said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus was focused on what his mission was. He knew what his purpose was. His purpose became his mission. He knew why he was sent. He was very clear about it. And so he got focused on that and wasn't going to be distracted from that. A few chapters further on, I think it's about chapter 9, um, It talks about Jesus setting his face towards Jerusalem, knowing what was ahead, knowing the the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties that were ahead, he sets his face towards Jerusalem. Why? Because that is why he was sent. Because that is his purpose. Because that is his mission. And he wasn't going to be distracted from that. What does that mean to set his face towards Jerusalem? It means that he focused on, on his purpose. He focused on why he was here. He knew that Jerusalem was where he had to be. He knew that Jerusalem was where he was going to face the cross and all of that. And he set his face towards it and filtered the other stuff out. He could have spent another 20 years wandering around the Middle East, praying for people, seeing people healed and delivered and all of that wonderful stuff. He could have spent the next 20 years doing that. But that's not why God sent him. His purpose was, yes, part of that purpose was to do that and to teach others to do that. But his central purpose was to come and to pay the price of our sin so that we could get reacquainted with God. And he focused on Jerusalem. He he set his face towards Jerusalem and he wasn't going to be distracted. And we need to find that same kind of attitude within ourselves. That we understand what it is God has given us and then we get focused on that and we plow towards that. Now plowing towards that could involve a number of things. So my, my daughter and her husband are going to plant a church. Um, They'll probably actually make a a proper start on that sometime in the middle of 2016. Um, God has put all of the pieces in place so that they can now move to the area where they want to plant the church. And um, there is a small group of people gathering around them. But listen, it's easy to say that in two or three sentences, but it's taken them three or four years to get to this place. Because God has had to do things to get them into place. And if you... you know, I know there are people here this morning who, who... would see themselves as preachers, as teachers, as ministers of the word. You you can't just stand up and do that. You've got to make some investment in yourself first, you know, so that you understand the word so that you understand how to communicate, how to teach, how to preach. You've got to understand some theology. You've got to understand some communication techniques. And they don't just happen overnight. So we've got to invest in ourselves to get us to this place. But we've got to do that according to purpose, according to our focus. Yeah? Okay. Are you with me? All right. The other thing that I notice here, which I think is really great about Jesus is when he says he's going to do something, guess what? He does it. He, he says that, you know, my purpose, the reason that God sent me is that I will go through all these other towns and preach the gospel. And then in the very next verse, it says, and Jesus was found going through all these towns preaching the gospel. In other words, he knew what his purpose was, he was bold enough to state what his purpose was, and then he gives his life to fulfilling that purpose. Are you with me? He was, he was completely yielded to the will and the purpose of God and having said, you know, my purpose is to go through all of these towns and to, to preach the gospel and, and, you know, all of that stuff. This is what God sent me for. He then gets up and does it. Okay? It's one thing to understand that God has made you for something. It's something entirely different to actually get up and do it. And... Let me say, I know that many of us, particularly over this last year, have risen up to the challenges of this place and all the stuff that's going on here. And, um, you know, you've done a great job. But there are a lot of us who are still stuck in something in the past and not moving into the challenge of what God has for now. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. That we have, many of us, an idea of who it is we are and what it is we're supposed to do maybe uh, even some of the specifics of the things that we're supposed to be doing, but we've not actually got up and engaged with them. And if you want 2016 to look just like 2015, stay in that place. If you'd like 2016 to look different to 2015, you've got to move out of that place. You've got to start engaging with the things that God has put within you. You've got to start grabbing a hold of those things that God has purposed for you and prepared you for. Are you with me? We've got to walk as we talk. Okay, we're not doing bad. I've got about 10 minutes left and I've got a little list of important points. So if you're making notes, this is the point where you can write things down. This has come under a general heading of what does this all mean for us? I, uh, when we're talking about preaching and helping to train and develop some of our guys in preaching, um, I always encourage them to make that their last point. Their last heading ought to be a practical one that says, what am I supposed to do with all of this? And this is that point. So here's the first thing. The first thing is, don't look back. Nostalgia ain't what it used to be. Here's the thing, we cannot diss the past because the past has made us what we are today. And the experiences that we've been through and the growth that we have is because we have been through whatever was in our past. But there are two uh, particular issues with the past that are problems for us. The first thing is this, that when, when we look back at the past and we see our failures, it then discourages us when it comes to our future. And we can't afford for that to happen. You know, your your future, whilst the past will have contributed to it, your future is not dependent on your past. The past is gone. You can't do anything about that. You can't change it. Learn your lessons from it. Okay, if you made mistakes, try not to make them again. But let's not dwell on the past because the past will stop us from looking forward and getting a future focus and moving towards the goals that God has for us. Are you with me? The lessons learned have value but uh, the mistakes that we make can inhibit us as we move into our future if we let them. So we can't afford to be dwelling on the past and mistakes that we've made. Equally, success can hold us back as well. Because if we've been successful with something in the past, there is something in us that says this must be the way the future looks as well because it worked in the past. And very often the successes that we have had in our past are the stepping stones that propel us into our future, that take us into where God wants us to be. And so sometimes our successes can inhibit us as well if we don't treat them properly. Our successes can kind of get us into a rut that says, life must be like this because this has worked, because this was good, because I, I got some accolades for this, so this must be where it's at. Yeah. So both our failures and our successes can work against us. And we need to learn from the experience, we need to learn the lessons because uh, if, we can, if we can harness those things, that will help us as we move into our future, but we must not be dictated to by what happened in the past. Are you with me? Okay. We also need to, just as an aside from all of that, if the past has left you with any hurts or resentments or anything like that, then we do need to let go of those things. We need to put ourselves in a place where God can get to us and heal us and sort those things out because we don't want to carry that weight into the future either, do we? And I know for many of us, this year has had its twists and turns and its ups and downs. And if it has left a scar on us, then we need to look to God for healing. And, you know, that process could take a while, couldn't it? Sometimes these things do. But we need those things to get healed in us so that we're in good shape for really applying ourselves to the purposes of God. Yes? Okay. So the first thing is don't look back. The second thing is maintain your disciplines. The inches you take each day will add up to the miles that you take this year. Did you get that? The inches that you take today and tomorrow and the next day are what will add up to the miles that you will take this year. If you don't do the inches, you're not going to make the miles. Are you with me? Our successes are made up of small steps. They're made up of a whole series of things that we have done that in the end have added up to something successful. So we must pay attention to the small things. We must pay attention to our disciplines. We must, if I can quote my good friend Dr. John, be intentional. We've got to live with intentionality. And uh, those of you who are giggling know Dr. John clearly. Um, Some of you are looking a little bit bemused. But uh, my good friend John Andrews has written a lot about being intentional, living intentionally. In other words, that with our future focus, with our view of what the future should look like, understanding our purpose, understanding what we're made for, we live intentionally. We make decisions that keep us moving towards the thing that we are purposed for. Yes? And we make decisions that filter out the things that we're not purposed for. And they may be good things. And they may be things that we can do. They may be things that we could be successful at. But we need to understand what God made us for. Why God put us on the planet and live intentionally with that focus. Are you with me? Okay. Third thing. So the first thing is don't look back. The second thing is maintain your disciplines. Third thing, choose your companions carefully. I love that that, uh, Jesus gathered quite a crowd around him. And, uh, you know, a a lot of guys who were saying to him, you know, this is great, we're going to follow this guy, we're going to get to grips with all of this. But Jesus wanted a, he, he, uh, I mean, it's in the style of the rabbinical school, but we don't need to go into all of that. He needed to, he wanted to put together a team, which would be a team. And out of all the guys that he had around him, he went up the mountaintop and he spent the night praying and then he came down and he picked out the 12 that were going to be his team. Why, why, did, why did he not just like look at the resumes and tick ticks and boxes? Because he knew that this journey was not going to be easy. Because he knew that this journey was going to have immense challenges. And so he needed around him the people who would help him to finish the journey. Now, I would, have, um, I would have a Joy Dakin on my team any time. I would have Joy on because Joy has never said a negative thing to me. I mean, that's, she's challenged me on a few things, but she's never said anything negative to me that has taken the wind out of my sails. She's consistently encouraged me and she's consistently prayed for me. I would, tip, I would pick Joy every day of the week and twice on a Sunday. Because if I'm going to finish this journey, I need a Joy Dakin in my life. Yeah. I, I would pick if you know given the opportunity I would pick Stephen Russ again. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Why? Because the gifts and the commitment and the drive that these guys bring to the team help me to be who I need to be. And I can't be fully who I need to be in this context without those two guys standing either side of me. I can't do that. Now, we all need people around us. We all need people who will help us, encourage us, pray for us, challenge us. You know. um, none of these people who I've mentioned are yes people. They don't just say yes because I've said something, but actually they very often will challenge me on stuff. And that's good because actually I need that. Because shock, horror, I'm not always right. I know that's hard for you to believe, but it's true. But if I'm going to finish this journey, and particularly if I'm going to finish this journey well, I need to be careful about the people I gather around me. I need to pick people who will help me to achieve my purpose and who I can help to achieve their purpose. Okay, it's a two-way street. But I need to be careful. You know, i I love that there are these little things that go on in the Gospels which you can so easily miss. I love that when Jesus is going to pray for a dead child, he takes Peter, James and John in the room with him. Why does he do that? Because Peter, James and John are going to bring faith to the room. Because he knows that these guys will come in and they'll have confidence in Jesus, which helps Jesus, but they'll also have faith that God is going to do something. And in a faith-filled environment... Jesus prays, and the child is raised from the dead. Now, imagine if he'd taken Judas in the room with him. <laughs> you know, Judas would have been Judas would have been like, you know, I don't think we can afford the bad publicity if this doesn't work. That would be, you know, really faith-building, wouldn't it? You know, or Thomas, I'm not sure you can do this. You know, he needed people who would actually help him to achieve the purpose. And so, we need to be careful about who we choose. to to accompany us. you know The journey is going to be long and we need to surround ourselves with faith builders and encouragers, prayer warriors, supporters, people who will speak the truth to us in love, people who will challenge us. And we need to choose them with the mission in mind. We need to choose people who will help us to achieve what God has put in us and what God has built us for. Are you with me? And listen, and it's in the wisdom of God that actually, when you find people who will do that, they're actually you're actually perfect for them as well to help them with their mission. Are you with me? God has a great way of doing that with the team. Okay, fourth thing, we're nearly there. Is the whole thing about understanding your purpose? Understand what God made you for. Understand that you have a mission in life that God has built you for, and engage with that mission and don't let anything distract you. Or disturb you from that. Yes? Okay. Next thing. What are we on now? Is this five? Okay. Plan it. Not planet as in, you know, the moon and stars. But plan it. We used to have a a saying in another life um, when I was in um, sales and marketing. uh, There used to be a, a saying, fail to plan, plan to fail. They used to say that all the time. And it's true. If you haven't got a plan, if you haven't got a plan, okay. If you haven't got a strategy, if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. Hello. My plan for 2016, you know, in order, in terms of my goals and my direction for 2015, actually starts tomorrow morning here. At 8 o'clock. I'm not going to wait until the middle of the year and kind of do a review of where I'm up to and see what happens. I'm actually coming in tomorrow morning with purpose. I'm coming in to start on my plan for 2016. I'm coming in knowing what I need to do, where I need to go, what I need to achieve. And I've put some dates on things. I've put some deadlines on things. So I'm not going to let things, you know, drift through the year and suddenly get to December and think oh I haven't achieved this yet I'm putting some deadlines on stuff so that I know that I need to get the work done and need to you know, cover the bases whatever else needs doing so that I get there effectively are you with me? okay having made a plan you then need to work the plan hello And that's another phrase we used to have plan your work, work your plan Because a lot of us will sit down, it's like New Year's resolutions. A lot of us will sit down, we'll determine what we're going to do and then we never do it. And all we did really was have a crazy half an hour where we sat down and made some resolutions. What a nonsense. Okay. If you are going to make a difference, if you are going to rise up and be what God made you to be, if you are going to achieve the purposes that God has for you, you need a plan and you need to work the plan. Jesus said, I have come, you know, my purpose is that I will go through all the villages preaching the good news. And what does he then do? That's his plan. What does he then do? He gets up and he goes through the villages preaching the good news. Yes? My plan five years ago was to establish something in Stapleford that started to provide genuine help for the community. It's taken us a long while to get there. It's been quite a journey. But where are we today? We're in a place where we've started to establish that. We're doing a lot of good stuff that really helps the community. And we're now in a position where we can do a lot more. How did we get there? Because step by step, we've worked the plan. We've pursued it. Are you with me? Okay. And the last thing on my list here, you'll be pleased to hear, because... My phone just went blank, which means my time just ran out. The last thing is this the time to start is now. The reason that most New Year's resolutions don't work is we keep putting them off till tomorrow. I'm going to lose some weight, but I'm going to start next week. I'm going to get up earlier and spend some time in prayer and, and meditation and talking to God. But I can't do it this week because it's too busy this week so I'll be too tired so I'll start it next week. And we all do it. right? So uh, just before Christmas I started to notice a little bit of weight coming back on You know, to this slender thing that is my body. And over Christmas of course I've had plenty to eat so that's not helped. And in my mind okay, I've been saying well I'm going on holiday in the middle of January and I don't want to really kind of you know miss anything good while I'm on holiday. You know. So in my mind I'm saying I'll start at the end of January. At the end of January I will start eating more healthily. Now I want to suggest to you that knowing myself as I do, that if I actually live like that, the eating healthier is not going to happen because when I get to the end of January I'll think of some other reason not to eat healthier. If we're going to do this, we have to start now. If you're going to engage with this, it starts here. It starts now. You've got to start uh, focusing. You've got to start building a plan. You've got to start engaging with the purposes of God. Understand what He made you for. Understand that He has a great plan for your life. And that when you engage with the purpose that He made you for, you will prosper. Hello? Because that's what He promises. You know, when, when God says in the Scriptures, I've got a plan for your life, a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, it doesn't mean that you can prosper at just anything. It means that you can prosper at the things that He made you for. Yeah? And that's what we need to engage with. And we need to start now. It starts here. This is where the rubber hits the road. So let's stand, because I'd like to pray for you before we finish. And I'd like to encourage you this morning to... Grab a hold of some of these things. It's been recorded. Yes? Okay. It's <laughs> just a quizzical look for a moment there. It has been recorded, so if you need to listen to all of that again, you can, uh, you can get it. Um, we'll stick it in the notices, email. We'll put a link in for you. Um, but listen, if we can grab a hold of this stuff, uh, we can look forward to a spectacular 2016 where we can shape our lives and we can shape our ministries we can shape our our work whatever it is we're doing into something which will be really productive and which will achieve the purposes that God built us for and we can be standing at the end of 2016 looking at a totally different scenario and feeling blessed and fulfilled that God has done his work through us are you with me? okay so let's pray Father, I want to thank you that you have called each one of us into something good. That whether we understand it or not, whether we realize it or not, you have shaped us to be something spectacular. That you have given us gifts and abilities and you have made us into world changers. I thank you that that's true for each one of us, that we each have a unique part to play in this world. That we each have a unique part to play in this community. I pray, Lord, first of all, that you would help us to see that and to understand something of that, that you would give us revelation of just what it is you have built us for and prepared us for. I pray also, Lord, that you would give us wisdom in order that we can shape our lives to fulfill your purposes, that we'll be able to say no to stuff, even though it's good, even though it's great, but it's not us, that we'll be able to say no to it, and that we'll be able to pursue the things that you've particularly given us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to make wise decisions as we gather people around us to help us along our journey. I pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom as we, as we develop a plan and a, and a strategy and that you would give us the strength and the focus to plough through that and see it come to fulfilment. But most of all, I pray, Lord, in whatever we do and however we do it, that our lives would bring glory, bring glory to you, that, that the world would see Jesus through who we are And through what we do. And that you would be glorified in it. And now I pray that the Lord would bless you. That he would pour out his spirit upon you. And that you would know that his hand is over your life. That he does have a plan for you. That he has a plan to prosper you. To do you good. And that as you understand that. As that settles in your heart and your mind. That it would put a smile on your face and that you would be happy and blessed. I pray that the Lord would draw close to you, that you would have that sense of His presence, that you would carry that sense with you, that you would know that He will not leave you or forsake you, that He is committed to you, that He is devoted to you because He loves you with an everlasting love. I pray that in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit you would know the wonderful supernatural peace of the living God guiding you, keeping you in a place of of well-being, keeping you in a place of rest. And I pray that your life would bring glory to the God who created it, for Jesus' sake. Amen.